Happy Patch Tuesday, everyone. First Patch Tuesday of the year 2024. Can you believe it? We made it. We made so it past exciting. Christmas. Made it past New Year's. Nothing too major was dropped, right? I don't necessarily think anyone ruined Christmas this year, so that's... It's exciting to see. First year in a long time. I think I remember that, you know, we weren't having some kind of emergency meeting like the day Give after Christmas <laughs> where we're, you know, scrambling to purchase something that needs to be purchased in two weeks because someone did something they're not supposed to. Anyway, happy Patch Tuesday. Thanks for joining us again for our third iteration of this and know welcome back if you're a long-time listener to our ramblings around vulnerabilities again my name is tom boyer and i uh, am a director of security and it at automox and today i have two guests with me cody deets and jason kikta you want to introduce yourselves yeah um i'm cody i'm team lead of security engineering here at automox Hi, I'm Jason Kikta. I'm the CISO and Senior VP of Product here at Automox. And if you're listening to this, not on YouTube, Jason has a serious mug that he's drinking coffee from today. Look at that thing. That is Best dad ever. That is a <laughs> and, mug and of mugs. With a monster truck. This is, uh, <laughs> this is pretty amazing. I don't want to brag, but this might be one of the greatest coffee mugs that I own, which it's is saying something. Probably the best one I've ever seen. <laughs> love it love it so yeah digging through the patch notes for the for for today for tuesday and there are some good ones there are some good ones some surprising ones you know surprising to be that that we're seeing them in 2024 you know, surprising that we're seeing them in general honestly but yeah some good stuff you know i think the first one we want to talk about today is CVE 2024-20674, which is, a, <laughs> according to the title, Windows Kerberos Security Feature Bypass Vulnerability. Woo! Talk about uh, a blast from the past. You know, this is definitely a, this will be in a CTF one day that you'll probably run into, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, it's and... a CTF right now, probably. <laughs> this, this CTF's live and the prizes right. are real. You could and, ransom you know, a networker uh, off of this one. This is, yeah, this oh, granddaddy so crazy CTS. too. Just that, that 2024 man in the middle. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and, like, a, a machine in the middle attack on Kerberos is mind-boggling. <laughs> mind-boggling. You know, like what? I mean, first of all, being vague and saying security feature when you're talking about Kerberos, <laughs> which is at the heart of Active Directory's, you know, like that's that is Active Directory. That's that's the authentication mechanism. But then to just be like, oh, and you can machine in the middle of it. Whoa. Right. Like that is that <clears throat> reflects a pretty fundamental breakdown in how the entire uh, protocol is supposed to work. So <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm actually having trouble wrapping my head around it, uh, because this one is just so wildly dangerous and just, uh, you know, so fundamental to what Cobra does, uh, for authentication. Yeah. And you know, the, 
the other sentence in there or other local networking spoofing technique. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like this is what this is one of my complaints with CVSS scoring. Not that there's a flaw in the system itself. I, I think it's. I think it's fair on the surface to say, hey, if something is local to your network, that is less dangerous than something that is, you know, remote. You could just do this out over the internet. Right. But I think what is lost on too many practitioners, even security practitioners, is how quickly local can turn into remote because there's a secondary spoofing thing or, you know, you can you know, depending on the complexity, uh, and I think this one has low complexity, uh, you know, the fact that you can, uh, potentially have it relayed by something else. Like there's just, that comes with a lot of asterisks behind it. And it really makes me nervous when I see like, no, don't worry. It's local. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, big T suck. Like, uh, yeah. is it though? Yeah. Is it? And, yeah. and not to mention, you know, like, that's not, you know, having something that's local like that, that's not minor. And also, you know, like, so, so let's say for instance, that this is indeed local. You have to be no kidding local to that network. No ifs, ands, or buts. You can't run this against an exchange uh, machine that's facing the internet. And like, it, it's just, it's not feasible. You really, no kidding, have to be with, on LAN that's still not a minor thing because that one is going to tend to be uh, because it's a local vector, it's going to get deprioritized, right? People are going to say, okay, well, you know, what are the chances of a rogue employee or an actor already on the network versus this? But like this thing is pure ransomware fuel. Like, oh my goodness, I can just, you know, machine in the middle, anything on my network and away I go, Bob's your uncle. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just, Wow. This is yeah. going to be a long tail, hairy. I mean, there are some shades of eternal blue in this thing. Uh, it, it, it just feels like someone figures out how to pop this thing. And that, that uh, exploit code inevitably makes its way to GitHub. Like that's going to be a spicy thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I almost wonder if this is related to, uh, you know, LLM and R poisoning is pretty popular right now. If it's just something along that line that you're just saying, Hey, I'm the Kerberos server and blasting it out on like multicast. And yeah, that is like the simplest, uh, thing to right. do these days. Like that hard or in the, in the release notes or other local network spoofing technique, right? It's like, well, you gotta be a machine in the middle. And then it's like, Boom, stop dead. Or like or. anyone can grab Python and craft a packet and just multicast it out to your entire land. Oops. I yeah. hit that or, that hard or. Yeah. Feels very young. You know, this just feels like one of those old school Windows AD attacks, right? Just Yeah. Surprising to see in 2024, given a lot of Benjamin Delpy so. is probably kicking himself that this isn't already in Mimi Cats. He's probably just like over there in France, just losing his mind of like, man, why didn't exactly. I get this one for Mimi Cats? This would have been amazing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it, you know, how does this apply to whatever they're calling Azure AD now, Entra ID, or 
whatever, right? I'm sure that's not impacted, but you know, I feel like a lot well, of it should be taken into consideration, right? Like if I don't know that we can take that for granted if you're running a hybrid environment, right? If you're running a hybrid environment, you could still attack the local AD and now you have elevated privileges and that might get you closer to some of those SAS and PASS uh, assets that may be managed by intra-ID uh, intra um, or even by, you know, another identity provider. Like once you sort of unlock that, uh, you know, higher level administrative access in the network, there's not a lot that's beyond your reach at that point. So this is really, really dangerous to pretty much everything you own and control unless you have just really top notch. And I'm talking world class network segmentation and, um, you know, least privileged controls. Yeah. You know, just uh, you could always move to Mac, right? Because they don't get. <laughs> you know, Cody, like. I feel like, am I am I losing my mind, or is, is there has there been a run of things not precisely like this lately, but you know what's old is new again. It seems like, you know, people get in this mindset of like, oh well, we've we've pretty much run this category to ground. Now people are on to other things for exploitation, and so we don't have to worry about that anymore. But then it, it seems like they always come around again. Am I wrong on that? No, yeah. I mean, you can see a lot of uh, CVEs that kind of harken back to like Windows 2000 exploits nowadays. Um, like you said, I think I think a lot of it's just um, people are developing now in a different way, and they're so abstracted from some of the the things they used to have to do. Um, and they're, they're trying to take for granted third-party solutions and those third-party solutions are failing or the third-party library that's supposed to solve this thing. You know, they're, they're moving to things that are too nascent and, you know, it's, it's just kind of, they're reliving a lot of these same, these same core bugs in the software. And yeah, uh, yeah. it's a little hard to, it's a little hard with so many classes of exploits out there or like full vulnerabilities out there. Um, you just, there's just too much, <laughs> too much to cover. So things are slowly getting deprioritized. And those are the things that I think I see a lot in the forums too. Right. Or on some of these, uh, some of these discords where people are, it's like, it's like the, the, the newer generation of uh, people getting into security for all the wrong reasons are all, you know, they're like, hey, I read this article from 10 years ago, and all of a sudden, you know, everybody's like, oh, it'll never work again. You know, it only worked on Windows XP. And uh, we saw last year at Blue Hat, right, that some of these yeah. exploits were like the same thing from Windows ME or Windows XP. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that's a legitimate line of, of security research that, that is, you know, poo-pooed by some people. But, you know, people picking up, uh, you know, an old copy of you know, Fractor, Pocker, GTFO from back in the day and then looking through it and going, hey, what might still be relevant? And, you know, it's a deprecated code that bites you when you least expect it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, five years ago, I think it was, Microsoft had that real bad, nasty vulnerability and it was in a printer driver. And I think the code, the original code was written in like 1988 or something. Mm -hmm. right. um, and in fact, that's, you know, a little bit of foreshadowing that's going to come up in our <laughs> in our third segment. 
Um, you know, you, you think you've deprecated something, you're not really using it anymore, <laughs> but the code's still there. And then whoopsie, uh, it turns out that an attacker can still use it. Um, yeah, I think we saw some of that too in 2023 with the, uh, like the MSQS vulnerabilities. I think we mm. talked about it. Um, yep. Maybe midsummer internally where it was just this, you know, MSQS, I think that's what it is, that old queuing system in Microsoft, right, that's meant for large-scale Windows deployments that people have moved off of. But I'm sure somewhere <laughs> out there in the enterprise, there's just Windows yep. XP still running, right? Yep. yep. It's that, that old Using mandatory that configuration that nobody's gone back and cleaned up to turn that thing off. Yeah, precisely. So... <clears throat> You know, binary exploitation, right? In like overflows and a lot of these things that we haven't really seen, at least in the modern security talk, right? Most people have moved to cloud. Most now, most people are moving to LLMs and exploiting LLMs. And there's this whole subset of things that still exist, right? Like, hey, fuzzing and all these other methodologies to detect that stuff is still very important. So. Oh, and one of the big ones too is um, if you know you, you have a lot of modern developers who are assuming that buffer overflows are hard because you don't see them in the news as often anymore. But then you have a whole class of IoT devices out there that are being written by these companies <laughs> yep. that were started in the '70s, right? And they still have engineering practices from the '70s yep. and the '80s. So, you know, and even things like FPGAs, right? Like uh, yeah. there's all sorts of things you can do on FPGAs that. People in like modern web development be like, ah, that can't happen anymore. Let's <laughs> like, connect that thing to the internet. <laughs> All sorts of things can happen. Bless your hearts. <laughs> I'm about to learn some hard lessons. Speaking of hard lessons, the second one, this BitLocker, woof, woof. Talk about a, a, another favorite. again, a, like a something people consider a solved problem until something like this comes along. You know, I remember when the number one cause of security breaches was, you know, basically employees leaving laptops in cabs and on trains and airplanes and stuff. And now here comes this one. <laughs> Tom, do you want to cue this one up? Yeah. So what Jason's kind of talking through is CVE 2024-20666, which is a BitLocker security feature bypass vulnerability, which... That might be the worst description I've ever heard, given the fact that like BitLocker, BitLocker has one security, security feature. feature. <laughs> <laughs> it is the security feature. Time. But it is like it's there's no executive summary, right? It's just a successful attacker could bypass the BitLocker device encryption feature <laughs> on the system storage device, right? An attacker with physical access obviously could could exploit this vulnerability to gain access to encrypted data. And I'm just like, yeah, I feel like I this mean, is just buried, right? Like this is just one of those evil made it, things that come in, grab the hard drive and I'm, I'm off. Yeah. It, so, it's, it. it's again, it's where the CVSS scoring system does not well articulate the risk of, you know, now you don't ha just have to be local on the network. You have to be physically touching the machine so that is a, you know, that's that's a high barrier for remote ops, but, you know, it, it really depends on what your threat profile is. And, you know, attack complexity low, privileges required low, user interaction none, <laughs> you know, but CIA impact, confidentiality, integrity, availability, high, high, high. 
Woof. <laughs> so that sounds like, you know, the exploit code's unproven, but it sounds like there is a potential way to just bypass BitLocker altogether and unlock an encrypted hard drive. And again, people have become so reliant. Like, it's not just about the so-called evil made attack of you leave it in a hotel room and now a member of the housekeeping staff comes in and plugs in a thumb drive and steals all your data or you leave it in a public place or, you know, Starbucks, and you go to the bathroom and uh, that, that sort of thing. It, it's, it's not just that threat to be clear because so many modern corporations that have travel laptops have hybrid or remote workforce rely on BitLocker and FileVault and all these hard drive locking technologies for their remote wipe, right? Because it's yeah. better than a remote wipe. It's reversible. So if you inadvertently, uh, you know, issue the command to the wrong laptop, you don't wipe out the CEO's hard drive. You can say, whoops, you know, I didn't mean to fire you. I meant to fire Jason. So like, let's, here's, you know, here's your new BitLocker key and the CEO's back in and, and you don't end up with two firings that day instead of one, you know, this, this is critical to that. So like, this isn't a matter of like people physically penetrating your building, to get in, this could be a disgruntled employee who wants to get back into their files and now they can, you know, shut off the Wi-Fi, unplug the Ethernet cable at their house, boot this thing up, take all their drives off, you know, wipe the hard drive, send it back to you. Like you really would not, you know, not really have a way to prove that they stole your corporate. Like this is, this blows DLP out of the water. This is a big, big deal. Yeah. And especially like, how does this impact in, in, in the cloud, cloud hosting environments, right? Oh Someone yeah. Walks in the data center, grabs some hard drives. What's what's the deal now? And right. how are they how are they responding to that threat? You know, we we very much trusted BitLocker. It's almost gone. Like it's it's gone. Like you run BitLocker, you're good, right? Yeah. Got to worry about losing your laptop or any of that stuff. And I, I can't even remember the last time I heard about BitLocker. You know, yeah, I mean, it, in the new early 2000s, maybe like 2005, yeah. six, seven, around that time, right? When there was all that drama around BitLocker, I can't remember when, but this is just, I, I feel like it's almost a little bit buried in here. Yeah, <laughs> right? like, this is this is very Back to the Future, and I think because it's been a well-solved problem for so long that a lot of people won't truly appreciate the the uh, the impact this can have. And the sort of, um, you know, nuances of, you know, various methods of exploitation. Yeah. Almost what's old is new again. Yeah. I'm like, just like curious, like, uh, I'm curious the fix. Like, how are they fixing this and what are the implications there? Yeah. Do right. you have to re-encrypt hard drives? <laughs> like, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. Yeah. Or, you know. Are they changing like the fundamental operations within BitLocker, right? Like, what's and then how long's this been in here? <laughs> I, I just feel very uneasy about this, just given like the lack of information, how it's kind of just put out there without much, you know, so much workaround mitigation. There's not very much like an executive summary, and yeah, just another yeah. one of those uneasy ones that I have. Yeah, executive summary known always makes me nervous. Right. <clears throat> and maybe this was like a fuzzing one. I caught it in fuzzing, or and I just don't have much information about it. But yeah, I don't know. I I 
I, I want to believe. <laughs> I don't know, Cody. What's your, what are your thoughts on how they probably came across this? Or oh, I really hope it's through fuzzing and not through some researcher that was like, "Hey, I found a simple bit you could flip," and all of a sudden I've got all your data. Funny story. So. <laughs> all, all your data are belong to us. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, having interacted with the blue ta- uh, the uh, blue hat research team last year, uh, they're pretty on point for finding things. So really hopeful it was uh, you know yeah. something something that they just found and that um, you know quick mitigation hopefully. Uh, but that that would uh, that would jive with the exploit code maturity being unproven, right? Like that that's the one you know glimmer of hope here is that that. Uh, sounds like something that you would do for uh, a fuzzing result rather yeah, than right. um, or that a researcher found some exploit that was very inconsistent maybe so yeah so or hey I have end. it all except for this and if I just figure out this part then I'm yeah, yeah. or like you know hey I found this one pointer but you have to do it 50,000 times until you finally uh, hit that stochastic limit or something <laughs> yeah but 50,000 times isn't very many like that's, that's yeah. okay 5 million times I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah hopefully um, hopefully the uh, exploit maturity is like when we actually see an exploit that comes out for it hopefully it's not something so very simple that suddenly you know you've got like Lockheed Martin and their, you know, whatever Skunk Works project going on right now is just going to be on the table at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> that would never time. happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know who definitely doesn't have clown shoe security? Defense contractors. Right. <laughs> Not that I'm picking on them or anything. <laughs> Woo! The things I've seen, the horrors. <laughs> the horrors. Yeah. Speaking of horrors. Oh, this that one is a good time to talk about not necessarily related to um, Windows or Patch Tuesday, but man, this Operation Triangulation thing is got to be the <laughs> most well-researched exploit that I've seen in a very long time. I think something that's really, you know, we've been following pretty closely over the last, what, about really month or two months is um, kind of the the, zero, the the newest zero click iMessage attack and, you know, walking through the exploit chain, you know, it's called Operation Triangulation. So it was presented at the 37th uh, Chaos Communication Conference. I think that's in Hamburg, right? And um, the researchers showed through basically what, like, six months of investigation, you know, a new exploit, a new attack chain on iOS. And I, I think it impacted more than just iOS, right? Mac OS, probably Apple TV. I don't know who's exploiting Apple TV, but I'm sure it's all just reused all the way through. And I don't know if you remember that, on, but... <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> How many? One, what, like, six or seven vulnerabilities like chain together six yeah. or seven vulnerabilities with any as one does you know, <laughs> the ios ecosystem right where we we start with probably the funniest one if you can call random it true type exploit yeah. that. <laughs> 2023 41990 that got fixed back you know midsummer where we're 
you take a PDF and there's this true type font exploit, right? <laughs> then you use a ROP chain, um, you get all the way through and then you, you know, kernel exploit with JavaScript, open up Safari, do a Safari exploit, and then use that exploit to um, exploit the iOS kernel and kind of on your way to backdooring the, uh, the phone, which, I mean, just reading through this thing, it's absolutely incredible. And I'm it's curious insane. your thoughts too, Cody. Yeah, it's insane. And, you know, that kernel exploit, like they have two of them that span five, I think, uh, five different generations of processors. So, yeah, it's it's just crazy the complexity that went into this. Um, or at least the research that went into this on, you know, the threat actor side. <laughs> Uh, whoever, whoever that may be, <laughs> whoever it may be. I mean, you know, you look at it and you're like, okay, this is chaining together, a, a, you know, a long series of extremely high dollar, high complexity, you know, zero day exploits and has an extreme focus on both cleanup and targeting to make sure it's really on the right device, the precise right devices and only those devices. Uh, and and it, it kind of screams out. <laughs> it, it screams out who it is, you know. This is, you know, I, I have uh, no knowledge of this from my days in government, but like, you know, this is Five Eyes hacking if I've ever seen it um, because it's just, you know, those are, those are their, uh, the, you know, the normal priorities of the, the, the exploits, <clears throat> the exploits, uh, you know, aren't really such so much of a limiting factor and you can do it in a really wild way, uh, where everything just, and I think too, the, the other piece that's just glorious here is, you know, 11,000 lines of code mainly dedicated to JavaScript core and kernel memory parsing and manipulation, right? Like right. the level of conditioning that it does on the machine to meet the the necessary conditions for the exploits to work is just phenomenal, right? It's, this is like, yeah, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying before, Cody, about, you know, hey, we're doing fuzzing. But, you know, oh, it's just got to, it's this one in five million chance of like, well, here's how you find one in five million. And here's how you find one in five million on the fly, on target. Uh, and that's pretty darned impressive. I mean, this is yeah. this is just a fantastic piece of. I of just don't know how here. you how you go about finding, like, especially the true type exploit. Right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's, that's been there since fuzzing. the 90s. That's fuzzing 100%, right? There's there's no other way around it. They're just, you're, they're fuzzing the... This just screams fuzzing to me. Like, there's no other way you would find, especially this true this true type font exploit. And, you know, usually fuzzing, you, you get a crash, and then you investigate all these crashes, and you find this, you're like, ooh, what's this? <laughs> if I send this data in a certain way, you know, I get an overflow or something, and... Yeah, it, it it always rings true what we were talking about earlier, like I, or what you were talking about earlier, Cody, um, kind of around binary, you know, exploitation and those sorts of things where, you know, I, I think most of the industry has almost moved on 
right, to more practical approaches to security. And there's not necessarily anyone except those with very vested interest in finding these type of vulnerabilities, you know, doing this kind of stuff, right? Like your mom and pop security shop is not kind of looking for crashes of this manner and investigating and contributing back to the kernel. Yeah, and your MSP kind of sure, sure isn't either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, and some of this is, you know, like there were a lot of these un unknown hardware features and Apple's notorious about putting, you know, debugging points and stuff on their hardware or, uh, you know, stack smashing. He's, he's pretty big in the uh, Apple space and he constantly finds, you know, new things related to like the lightning chain and USB-C chain. And that just kind of screams this, right? Like you have somebody who's... <laughs> Who, like spent all their life probably working at Apple and then went somewhere not saying it did <laughs> but and uh, it just screams that to me that like somebody who who had to have understood some of this debugging hardware or you know even just like very specialized parts of the circuits um, you know like yeah. uh, one of these uh, it's a memory protection uh, or a memory protection circuit and it's not used by the firmware. Uh, you know, like any of the Apple firmware, and it's not used by any of the hardware registers. So it's just like this unknown circuit that randomly they, they, they were able to tap into somehow. So I, I hope think that I, I honestly hope that was some guy with an electron microscope who was like, <laughs> finally my day in the sun. Like I have delivered. <laughs> I told you this would pay off. All right, Larry, fire up your scope. We're yeah, that's right. This is, this is budget victory for somebody. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. It's just, or, you know, corporate espionage, but. Yeah, that's true, you know. too. You know, it's either somebody that had intimate Apple knowledge or they, they had to have gotten, like, some some subset of Apple schematics or something that was just undocumented to the world and probably undocumented to much of the people in Apple uh, is, yeah. is the way I'm reading it. So tinfoil uh, hat commence. <laughs> 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 no, but um, you know, most of the CVEs that were chained together here were fixed, you know, midsummer. So mostly you're okay. But a lot of these that were released recently, the last couple of months, I think we talked about them last month, that were released by TAG, they had similar sounding, you know, exploit paths, and they sounded very similar to some of these. So um, I feel, and I think we talked about it last month as well, I feel like this is becoming way more common, especially in 2023. I don't think I've seen as many, like, zero-click exploit chains in iOS than I have in the last few years. And I, I think they're only be going to become more common as more people shift over, right? They're kind of tired of the, the Windows lifestyle and you know, want to give Mac a try. And I, I can't imagine that, the care and feeding I, that went into this. Uh, yeah, but it, the next one I, I, I envision is uh, when Apple moves away from their SMS protocol onto that um, new one I'm blanking oh, on the yeah. name, but the one where it co-ops with Google, right? Yeah. Like it's all together. What could go yeah, wrong? I, I, I think that's going to be the next <laughs> big one. I mean, just typical SMS is pretty insecure as it is. <sighs> I feel like, yeah. um, you know, now you have kind of one protocol to fuzz and you can really do some damage. Yeah. Because right. at that point you're going to be able to hit, you know, 
a large swath of phones and every every iPhone. So they're probably going to start chaining together that new that new messaging service into something like this, and oh, yeah. we're just going to see like a whole new class of zero clicks through that. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Well, that does it for us today. This wonderful first Patch Tuesday of 2024. We thank you all for coming and listen to our ramblings around vulnerabilities. And we hope you all have a, a great 2024. And um, again, thanks for, for listening. Any parting words, Cody or Jason? Parting words. <laughs> Buzz your stuff. Buzz, Buzz your, your stuff. stuff. Buzz your stuff. <laughs>